Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, session number eight. Hey everybody, on today's episode we're talking with Gordon Johansson. Gordon runs the biggest game store in the world, the Sentry Box in Alberta. He's also been doing this for 35 years. If anyone has had success in the game business, it's definitely Gordon. We also had a lot of connectivity issues during the interview with the connection dropping four times during the course of our chat. Normally I'm pretty relaxed when it comes to things like that, but it really started to frustrate me. The Sentry Box is big league and I wanted to make a good impression. But the internet just wasn't having it that day. But to give you an idea as to what Gordon is like, he made me feel comfortable, and he told me to not stress about it. It's that kind of stoic attitude that makes Gordon friendly and approachable, and I think part of the reason he's been so successful. We should all strive to have Gordon's strength of calm. Well, I'm done praising this guy, I'm going to let him tell you all about himself. So let's go. Okay, uh, could you introduce yourself? Um, Gordon Johansson. I'm the owner of the Sentry Box. I've been doing this for 35 years as of January 1st, 2015. Wow. 35 years in the game business or in with the Sentry Box? Yeah, 35 years with the store. Um, I used to run um, a wholesale business as well, uh, which I'd started a couple years before, I think so, about 78 and before I did the store. Okay, so why did you get into games? Why did I get into games? Because yeah. I like games. I've always liked games. I think I started out with Blitzkrieg as a war, you know, as a kid, as a teenager, and uh, I think played D and D with the in 1974 when it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first edition was the the brown box one, um, the wood grain one, and then uh, you know when Magic came out. I had a mix of alpha beta cards, uh, sold them a few years ago, to say the least. But mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, yeah, I kind of cry about the Lotus at a hundred bucks now, but it seemed like crazy money at the time. Yeah, yeah, the the whole prices uh, are kind of crazy with Magic. The fact that they've gone from, like you said, they've grown almost a hundred times in certain situations. Oh yeah, yeah. So, haven't played too much <clears throat> since then. It just kind of went, uh, added up the stuff. I think when I priced it out in Scry Magazine and went, oh, there's $13,000 worth of cards I could get money for. Mm-hmm. And decided I'll sell those through the store. <laughs> Beefed up our single selection considerably. And um, I can't remember what I did with the money. Probably put a roof on my house or something. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Okay, so uh, is it just you with the Sentry Box? Are you the sole owner, or do you have partners? Um, I I basically own the majority of it. I've um, given away um, percentages to long-term staff. Um, one of mine um, probably been with me over 25 years, so we capped him out at 25%, mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, now we've got a, a couple of other long-time 
guys who are um, getting a small percentage as well as my old partner um, is thinking about retiring or sort of decreasing his numbers and uh, increasing theirs. But effectively, I own 75 percent and that's not really going to go away. Okay, was that always part of the plan to share the ownership with your employees or is that just something that kind of happened? Yeah, it kind of just happened. It was one of those things that I figured, you know, they were putting just as much blood and sweat into it as I was. So it was kind of just a, it seemed fair to me, you know, as long as I controlled it, it wasn't a big deal. At the time, there wasn't exactly a lot of money in the game business. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't an issue. Hmm. Did you find that uh, offering them ownership motivated them more or did they already feel motivated? They were already, you already had great employees and this was more of a reward. Yeah, that's more what it is. I mean, if you have um, good staff, they are usually just good because they're good. Giving them more money doesn't make them better. It's Hmm. just, it's just a thank you for being the way they are. And if you give bad staff more money, they might get better for a little bit. But then it just goes back to the other way. Mm-hmm. Can we start at the employees then? How did you find good employees? How did you hire all these great people? Um, basically, it's customers. It's what we used to do more so. Um, and, you know, people we just knew who loved games. Because it's not like you're going to be paying boatloads of money to anybody um, in in this business. So they better like it. Um, you know, and there's other compensations, of course, because I mean, I'll give my staff generally a full time staff gets a 50% discount, wow. so that's a big perk for gamers. That sure would be, yeah, yeah. Um, and it balances things off a little bit, so and and it works both ways for us too because we've got uh, um, more knowledge out there. If they're buying a bunch of stuff, then they can speak about the games. Mm. better so i don't mind losing some money on on that kind of stuff it's just like product knowledge yeah, um that's a good point. recent yeah recently we've been hiring um um some people with less game knowledge uh who are still interested in working at the store uh like we hired a couple of well actually three girls just recently when we extended our hours who are more into some of the euro games or they have a little bit of an interest in the stuff but not you know, die hard. Mm-hmm. And they've been awesome as a rule. Um, just because it's more of a customer service thing. So, mm-hmm. so some of some gamers <laughs> uh, can be a little crotchety, shall we say, sometimes and get into arguments about esoteric things that you really shouldn't be doing with customers. So, yeah, customer service has to come first, not exactly, not fanboyism. Exactly. Although, yeah. Yeah, it's it's good to have that enthusiasm and general, but we we don't like people, um, you know, putting down games particularly because even if you don't like it, it doesn't mean they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like I tell my staff, you know, people come into the store because they want to come into the store. This is to a certain degree one of their happy. You know, it's a comfort store. You know, you have comfort foods or a comfort store. Mm-hmm. They don't come in because their fridge broke down or somebody ran into their car and they got to replace it. And now they're spending money they don't want to. They're coming in because they want to come in and because they enjoy it. Yeah, it's their so hobby. It's their pleasure. It's exactly. This is it. I've had customers coming in, you know, weekly, monthly, 
for 35 years. Like some of them have been around that long. Wow. Um, and it's, you, there's so many now I can't keep track of them all. Uh, cause I don't work weekends anymore, but hmm. yeah, it's just part of, this is the Saturday routine. You know, some people go to Costco, other people come down to the store. Yeah, no, I can, uh, I can identify with that. Yeah. So can you describe the sentry box for me? Uh, we are the largest game store in the world. Um, we've got 13,000 square feet of, um, space, including, um, I don't know, about 2,500 square feet of uh, open gaming space up on a mezzanine. Basically, when you come in, uh, you come up some stairs because we're an old reconverted warehouse. So you go up these stairs, you're on the mezzanine, and it's this big L-shaped mezzanine looking down onto the main floor of the store, uh, which has, you know, the card games, the role-playing games, the Euro games, uh, and uh, the miniatures, and we have a science fiction book section as well, and that's all on the main floor. On the mezzanine level, but sealed off from it, kind of directly across from the main entrance, is a historical section, so you have to go back up some stairs to go to that area, and that's probably, I don't know, 3,000 square feet, something like that, that includes all the war games, history books, and uh, military history uh, miniatures. Um, there's about a hundred thousand things, different items in the store. Uh, last count, probably more, but it's a nice round number. So inventory can be a lot of fun when it gets has to get done. Um, we basically carry, um, well, those other things I mentioned. Uh, you know, the usual amounts of, you know, dice and accessories and painting supplies. Um, no comic books or anything like that other than some game-related ones like Knights of the Dinner Table. Um, there is a small kids game section just because I decided I wanted some in there when uh, I started having kids and decided that Snakes and Ladders was really boring. Um, I'm trying to think of what I'm missing. Some interesting like stuff when it comes to things like dice. You know, you wouldn't think of dice as anything special we probably sell five thousand dollars worth of dice a month wow yeah yeah it used to be two and then i was looking at the numbers for the last year and it's up at five it's pretty stunning um probably the best department in the store for profitability when it comes right down to it mm-hmm. we sell a little bit of food you know but just the coke and yeah. you know the pop and stuff for people playing upstairs that sounds incredible. Yeah, a lot of storage rooms. Uh, it's a bit of a maze in the back areas because you have to have a lot of stuff for a place that size, like boiler rooms and mm, course, storage areas and things. So, yeah. Yeah, there's probably, I think, last count, about a million bucks of inventory in there. That's so, pretty crazy for a game store. Yeah. Well, there's lots of out-of-print stuff uh, as well because we don't really ship stuff back you know you'd leave in like the science fiction books and things um i mean there's there's stuff there that's so old um i think i actually still have one game from when i first uh, did it in 1980 there's a horrible game nobody's ever going to buy it but you know it's been sitting on the shelf for 35 years we'll leave it on there and probably till <laughs> the store burns down just for sentimental reasons <laughs> 
That sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing a lot of renos in the last, uh, I'd say, what, two and a half years now, three years. Um, like, as you kind of come in, there's this big uh, Egyptian wall directly opposite the main entrance, probably around 40 feet high, you know, kind of bordering the military section. Or not 40 feet high, um, 40 feet wide by maybe 15 feet high. Because our ceiling in the main area is about 30 feet high. So there's a lot of space there. And it's all hand-carved Egyptian hieroglyphics. We've been putting, uh, like in the World War II or the historical section, we have a bunch of ruins back, you know, on the backgrounds of the walls, you know, like shot up brick and things like that. And we're just in the process of putting up a big steampunk wall on the mezzanine. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, it's just having a lot of fun with the decor lately. So, so how do you go about... Uh... Where do you go to get somebody to make custom wall artwork for you, like hieroglyphics and Egyptian stuff like that? Or I'm actually it was staff. One of my staff came up and uh, said, "Hey, I did something like this for somebody. Would it be in, you know of interest to do something in the store?" And I'm thinking, "Oh God, how much is this going to cost me?" Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, I just decided. Yeah, let's go for it. It's got nothing to do with the store, but it sounds like fun. And it's basically made out of styrofoam. Um, though I like to kid people sometime and say, yeah, those getting those two foot by eight foot slabs was tough you know, to get <laughs> fizzled out and <laughs> up on the wall. But uh, um, yeah, a lot of it's been staff. We have a couple staff um, that do that kind of stuff. Um um, one's made a bunch of signage, like he makes, you know, molding, um, bolts and things like that. He's actually got a Kickstarter game himself, um, that he promotes. One of my other guys has got, did a Kickstarter for a bunch of, uh, um, terrain for buildings and things like that, that, that went really well. Um, the, uh, I'm trying to think one of my other guys is a graphics artist. And he redid our, our logo. I mean, that was sort of on extra time. Like, this is all mm-hmm. non-store pay-related stuff. It's They're getting paid way better than they do for working in the store when they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not going to get guys working for $10, $50, $11 an hour for really what is their career job. And it's not fair to pay them like that. We pay them less than they would charge other people because it wouldn't get done otherwise. Um, and the reality is that for a lot of them, when they do this sort of stuff, it goes in their portfolio of projects Mm -hmm, Yeah, and, and so that's a big plus for them. And it's, it's a, I don't know for them, it's fun because they're doing it for something they care about as well. You know, it's a a very much a win-win situation where they get to help out the store they like and also get experience and all that good stuff. I've had their mothers bring in, you know, friends and showing off the stuff their kids have done. <laughs> so it's it's definitely a point of pride to be able to look and say, yes, I did that. It's And it's cool. Yeah, for sure. So. Okay, so you're the largest game store in the world. It's taken 35 years or so to get to that point? Um, no, actually, that would have happened 20 years ago. Because we've been in our current building for, yeah, 20 years now. 
Mm, okay. Um, this is actually the fourth location. The first one uh, was, I think, I started off at 250 square feet. Um, within a month, went up to 450. You know, big jump there. Mm-hmm. And, and nearly uh, double. Yeah. <laughs> did that back or for, I think, a year and a half, two years maybe. Then we moved to a rental place, uh, 2,800 square feet, uh, which is when we got into the books, which seemed like a huge amount of space for the time. We're in there for about three years, and I got a little frustrated, shall we say, with renting from an unnamed company, but a big one, and uh, swore never to do that again. Then we invested in a building a few blocks away. so, yeah, that took us up to the 2,800 square feet. And then we went from there, I don't know, after maybe five, six years, eight years. I'd have to do the math um, to this place, which was the 13,000. So that was a big jump, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least. And uh, um, it, w- it was pretty brutal because when we moved in, all that was there was literally a tin roof and brick walls and a cement floor because the warehouse had been gutted. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's uh, the location is a good location. I, I knew that at some point uh, the light rail transit line for the West End would be going down close to that. And uh, we had five lots, uh, which the building took up two. Because it's actually 19,000 square feet is the building, but we rent out 6,000 square feet of it to an internet service provider. Hmm. Uh, And so that's been really nice because, of course, we get free internet and um, we're right on a main pipe. Like I've got three fiber lines coming into the building. So Hmm. connectivity is not an issue when we're at the store. (laughs) That's good. But it's also balancing. So, yeah, because the plan was always, well... The games are fun. They're never going to make you rich. And the retirement plan is going to be selling the building. But I'm not allowed to do that now, apparently. I've been told by customers. and You've got to be there forever. Uh, yeah, that I am not allowed to either die or retire. So <laughs> so is there a secret? <clears throat> excuse me. Is there a secret to uh, this fantastic growth? Like, by all measures, that's incredible to go from a 250 foot store all the yeah. way to the 13,000 feet, right? That's pretty crazy. Um, like what, what was the secret sauce? Um, I'm a math guy, a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably always had a little bit of a business bent. And I guess it would be being realistic. You know, yes, I love games. And I, I mean, I still, I've got a game tonight. I play D and D with my kids every couple of weeks and friends still, um, you know, and my daughters are both, you know, they're not war gamers, but they're into Euro games. Uh, she, the oldest ones will help out on the magic counter. She doesn't play much, but, uh, if at all, but she certainly has sorted a million cards. Mm-hmm. I guess the secret would be just being realistic and looking at the numbers and going, we can do this or we can't do it. Um, you have to be fairly frugal shall we say at least in your initial years when you're busy uh, uh, dealing with all the day-to-day crises that happen 
Um, because of my wholesale background as well, I saw a lot of stores that would buy too much of a product because the owner really liked it. Mm -hmm. And they'd buy too much of the next expansion for it, even though the first one didn't sell. And you get into a lot of trouble that way. I mean, you sell a lot when you're enthusiastic about something. But if even if you don't play it, if it's going to uh, make you money, like if you hate magic and collectible cards, why would you not sell them in your store? It's, it, even if you hate them, they're going to make you a boatload of money. Mm-hmm. It's crazy not to do it. Um, so, yeah, I think it, the secret is just still being enthusiastic about it. Like I've had more fun in the last probably four years than I did in the previous 10 because I got a little blase because things were smooth. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I figured out that I needed uh, I needed to have a problem to solve. That's what I liked doing was solving problems. So we started coming up with problems. I did brainstorming sessions and did a lot of that just to coming up with weird ideas and see if I could figure out what to do. And it's actually worked since we've done that. I think our sales growth for the last three years has um, probably been about 25% a year. Wow. So, yeah, over the last three years, I think sales have doubled. So Crazy. Crazy. So yeah, what kind of problems of were you solving? Like, What were you coming up with? Um, different ways of doing things. Um, man, that's – once I solve them, I don't even think about them. But just kind of like a continuous process of improvement. Oh, yeah. Just kind of like, oh, how can we do this? Is there a different way of doing this that's better that we just haven't thought of yet? Exactly. Like literally I take off um, probably for the last three, four years now. um, I don't work Fridays anymore or weekends. Once my kids came along, I stopped working weekends when they get into school. But the Fridays, even though I'm not working, I I still go out every second week uh, with a group of five people and we brainstorm ideas. Just things to do. If somebody's got a question, what can we do? Uh, and you think of all these completely weird things and you don't judge them. And it's, it's very interesting when you do something like that because um, it starts off with the, okay, well, I need to increase sales. Um, or, you know, you usually try to be a little more specific than that. Yeah. But when you come up, uh, it's like, what can we do to improve food sales as an example? Uh, and then they'll come up with the usual things of, oh, well, have you considered doing this or that? And then after a while, there's a tends to be a silence because you've burned out all the normal ideas that you've already thought of. And then somebody tends to say something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody else will bounce another stupid idea off that. And the, the amazing thing is that out of those incredibly stupid, inane ideas, there's usually something brilliant that comes out of it that you can then kind of drill down on and focus on and go, well, would that work? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't, but it gives you a different perspective on things. Uh, So I tend to run a lot of uh, different ideas past these people like, okay, what can we do to improve the front of the building, you know, for signage or doing this or doing that? How does this look? What do you think? Um, you know, what about the inside? Is this a crazy idea or not a crazy idea? Um, I guess the other thing is that being open to ideas when they come up and not just going, well, we tried that 10 years ago and it didn't work. 
sometimes, you know, times have changed. You got to look at it. Maybe it would work 10 years later. Yeah, it might. You know, you might have been ahead of your time 10 years ago, or you didn't have the volume. Like we just opened in October. um, I think it was probably our only our fourth change of hours in the entire time I've been open. Um, We switched to opening till nine, six days a week. Used to be just Friday. That's a big hit on staffing. Mm-hmm. I figured that's going to cost me, well, I'd probably have to sell $15,000 extra a month just to pay for the extra staffing, which is not an insubstantial amount. But when we looked at it, say, six years ago, oh, our sales were half of what they were. Well, that 15000 was a big percentage increase in sales, and I didn't think it could be done. Now, I'm not too worried about it. Mm-hmm. And it's proved to be, yeah, we're doing that. I think in the first month, we basically broke even on it. So that's that's a win. We'll try it for a year and see what's happened or see what, what goes on with it. Yeah, always measure your results. Yeah, yeah. Customers seemed very happy. that When we announced that, that was one of our um, biggest responses on the Facebook page. Um, I think the other was last year when we posted that uh, – our, our Easter closing signs, one of my staff had the idea of posting that we were going to be closing on uh, what April 16th or something like that. Uh, the sentry box will be closed as of April 16th. Mm-hmm. And then in very small print under it, for Easter, we will be reopening regular store hours on the 17th. Yeah. <laughs> but people were completely freaking out about this. There was like the subreddit set up. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah, there was, there was a mixed bag of comments on that one. It was, it was actually a lot of fun. I mean, it was one of those things that I kind of debated doing and I just went, <laughs> ah, let's just put it up there cause it's funny. And, uh, it wasn't us who posted the picture or anything. It went out virally on its own mm-hmm. as somebody would do this as a gotcha. Um, because your customers really care then, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we moved to the new building, just to give you an idea, we didn't even have a sign-up for the first year and a half. We took our old sign off the wall. It was like this four-by-eight thing, put it on a couple of posts and leaned it against the new building. Nice. Nobody had a problem finding us. <laughs> it was <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> they just – 90% of our business is repeat businesses. You're right. People care. Yeah. And I think a good store, they do care. You don't go uh, to a place. I mean, you may go to a store you don't care about, but only if you have no choice to get what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd rather go, much rather go to a store that you uh, you align with. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like there haven't been issues with customers over the years where, you know, some staff have made some mistakes. Or if you have some customers who, for some reason... They come and play every week for free, but never buy anything, and no. then we'll badmouth the store. It's like, okay, but you're never going to please some people. Yeah, well, that's just and that's the, that's the way the world too, right? Yeah, yeah, but it takes you know a while to get used to that fact because you know as Canadians or whatever, you like people to like you. Mm, yeah, but that's a uh, it's one of the polarizing aspects of business and being in the public public eye some yeah. people like if you're 
principled and you take a stand on something, some people will really, really like it. And then you will have a certain section that will really, really dislike it. Yeah. It's like, why can't you sell it 30% off like this online discounter who's doing it out of his basement? Yeah. Well, they don't have to pay for a 13,000 square foot yeah. uh, location. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like our payroll, uh, I mean, just to give you a number is 40, what with the increase now, 44,000 a month. <laughs> I'm sure some people will, uh, will jaw drop at that number. That's probably more than, a lot of places will sell over the course of several months. Yeah. And that's it, just it, paying out to your employees. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Because uh, I think we're, what, 26 people on staff now? That's, uh, yeah. You know, it's a lot It's a lot of people to run a, a store that size. And, you know, it, the numbers get really weird when you go from a smaller place to a bigger place like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here's your power bill. It's 4500 a month or 5000 uh, and the property taxes one year uh, went up because they reassessed the area. They went from three, $3,300 a month to 8300 a month. Wow. That's a hit. That was a huge hit. I fought it. I went down and I had to spend hours at City Hall going over all the assessments for the last bunch of years. I think I spent a whole day in there. My eyes were probably bleeding by the end of it looking at microfilm. I'm and sure it was worth it, though. Yeah, I won. And back then, the city appealed, which never, <laughs> never happens because they don't lose these things as a rule. But, uh, yeah, that's a long story, too. But it was definitely worth it. That time invested probably saved me $30,000. Exactly. Even if it was 24 hours of torture to make it happen, definitely worth well, it. Yeah, it was more than that, but that was the <coughs> the short period. Yeah, then you had to go down and sit through it thing you're not used to so mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah sorry we wanted i uh, wanted to go back to your group that you discuss all these ideas with because i thought that was a really cool idea how did you like who are these people are they other store owners or are they like employees or just friends that you bounce ideas um, with they basically came out of a business a small business coaching group uh, that I had uh, signed up for. I just was kind of, I think, looking at something, oh, what, probably about six years ago, went to a seminar, and this guy had this small business coaching thing, and I saw what they were doing, and I went, that looks really cool. And uh, uh, I still do that um, regularly. He had a very reasonable price. It was literally a couple hundred bucks a month, which seems like a lot when you're a small business. You know, I know mm-hmm. I think it was five hundred dollars or six hundred dollars to sign up initially. Um, I think it's three hundred now. He finally raised his prices last year. Um, but the way it worked is you got like this weekly planner, and it had sort of the uh, um, a sheet you would fill out with that had you know your week's goals and projects, and then there was a quarterly thing you would do, and you would get together as a group. Um, of all these uh, store owners every quarter and uh, uh, like he would combine Calgary Red Deer and Edmonton and we'd all meet in Red Deer so it's like a hundred miles away for a bunch of us but uh-huh. it was a central point and uh, uh, then he would go over a new what he would call a success factor which was you know maybe it's marketing to focus on this time or maybe it was uh, like the current one is leveraging stuff the last one was overcoming your fears 
of doing things. Uh, so it's very interesting because it's just a different focus all the time. Uh, but you learn a lot. And his thing was always, you know, it's not just business and making the money. It's it's also not really personal development, but there's a lot of elements in there mm-hmm. in that, you you know, you, you might want to make money, but you also don't want to be on your deathbed, right? And being unhappy about your life, you know, and having everybody hate you. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, through this thing, um, it uh, they had a thing on brainstorming at one point. They brought in a guy and there was a two-day seminar, which we went to. And uh, it was very, very interesting just to see it because it was something I had never really dealt with before on a formalized basis and because of that um, a few of us just got together and said let's do this and we did it every week literally for the first year every single Friday and it was it was pretty amazing and that's a big commitment of time because like I would have to drive 100 miles (laughs) to go do this Mm -hmm. every week and every week and then I mean, we're down to every two weeks now because to be honest we had too many ideas <laughs> and because we were uh, coming from the same business kind of background and the business coaching thing uh we knew a lot of stuff about each other so it was easy to you know get past some of the stuff i mean there's been lots of personal stuff brought up if somebody's had an issue about something mm-hmm. uh, different business plans so it, it's not just all business because of the personal connection. I mean, I consider a lot of these people really good friends that I've made out of this. Um, and we've done business together. I mean, I think I just recently loaned one of them because she wanted to start a house moving project um, thing there. And then I probably got $130,000 into that just well, to, to help her out. I mean, mm-hmm, yeah. don't get me wrong. The initial, because it's a construction thing, was 24% interest. I can deal with that. But that was standard. And in fact, I actually told them a while ago, I said, you guys got to slash this interest. Cut it in half. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You cannot pay this. Um, I mean, it's fine to start with, but not on the long term. It's not viable. Yeah. And But you really have to trust people to be able to do that kind of commitment, too. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, it's, and it's still business. It's not just, yeah, sure, take all my money at 0%. Nobody's trying to take advantage of the other person. Yeah, it's it's a win-win again. Right? Yeah. Yeah, one of them is actually a combination. Uh, he worked for TELUS for 20 years, retired, became a marriage commissioner, and a home handyman. <laughs> so he does all sorts of construction stuff because mm-hmm. he likes working with his hands and he likes making people happy. So it's this weird combination job thing. Huh. that he does and he only works for people on referral basis and they better be patient because if he's got a wedding coming up it's not going to get done instantly hmm. and i mean i've had him do a bunch of stuff in my house actually as a couple of the other people have and it's an amazing job but yeah you don't want to say yeah get it done in a week because it's not going to work that way hmm. so yeah it's it's definitely been a win-win Okay, would you recommend this kind of a group to somebody who's just starting out? Like if somebody was just starting their own business, would you tell them to go and find a small business coach kind of thing? Um, depends if they could afford it, mm. and that's the trick. Um, in that case, I would actually recommend um, more of a mentor 
situation. I think the most important thing anybody who's getting into this business could do would be go to the uh, Gamma Trade Show in Vegas, which is um, coming up in March. I think it's the 16th, the 20th this year, um, because they have tons of seminars uh, in there. And they're really good. There's In fact, there's a specific track for new businesses. Um, and a couple of the guys have done things, you know, on the bottom line or advertising. I've been doing this a long time. I still go every year, sit through all these seminars. Well, I can't sit through them all because there's too many tracks. Mm. But the way I look at it is when I, if I sit there for an hour and get one good idea out of it, it's worth it. That's the way you got to look at it. You can't go down there and thinking, I need a million ideas out of here because you're never going to get around to them. But if every seminar I got one good idea, that's a real win for me. Okay. Because that's that's what makes you money. It's the little incremental steps that get you better and better. Mm -hmm. But yeah, rather than um, the business thing, I mean, you may know somebody around there, but I wouldn't get sucked into some expensive multi-thousand dollar uh, plan, which a lot of these things are like this guy just likes working with small businesses. So it's very inexpensive. If he's hiring out privately for more expensive people, I think he charges 500 bucks an hour. Wow. And there are other people who charge way more than that, like hmm. way, way more thousands upon thousands of dollars. So yeah, the, the gamma trade show is by far the easiest way to learn a lot of stuff. All right. Good advice. Yeah. And yeah. it's cheap to go down to there. It's not like an expensive trip to, to Vegas for flights and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the other thing would be to, you know, take advantage of um, your opportunities with, with the business. Like we have, you know, credit cards, of course. So if somebody wants to buy or if I want to buy something from somebody and they take a credit card, well, I've got a credit card that's going to get me flights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Earn points and when you can, right? Exactly. Uh, and then eventually, if it gets to the point where you're buying too much stuff, I've made offers to guys where I've said, look, how about if you give me a one and a half percent rebate, saved you a one percent on your charges, if that's what you're paying and you know, I'm good for it. And, uh, you just you know cut me a credit once a year, and I won't use the credit card because you know I'm always my checks are good and mm -hmm. it's not an issue because that's why people take credit cards because this is kind of a iffy business for payment in some cases. Yeah, but um, I mean we rack up what fifty thousand, sixty thousand points a month on the cards. So I fly staff places for you know um, you know not pre-releases but. Uh, um, the the big magic events or have a holiday as a reward you know things nice. like that does your store travel to grand prix like do you uh go to the conventions and sell out of your own booth or is that something else no no we don't do that my guys have gone to grand prix um in fact one was just at the ottawa one or no two of them were uh which i hear was a little disappointing but um That's yeah the montreal too. toronto yeah, they've um, um, they're usually at one or the other. In fact, one of them wants to work a deal because he hasn't been playing enough magic in the last year, and he says, "I want to hit every one of these grand prix this year." It's got this list of a minimum of five or six, mm -hmm. and it's like, great, you know, go for it. You know, focus on your playing. 
we've used those more as like it's his personality to go buy stuff mm-hmm. and uh but selling it it's really hard at a grand prix unless you're a big a mail order place to do that sort of stuff because you know the tables will cost you two to five thousand dollars plus staff plus flights accommodation mm-hmm. you got to be making a lot of money either buying and then selling later at a big profit or selling at the show and it's i just don't think it's worth it um we don't normally do any conventions outside of calgary because yeah know, it's not so, worth it in my mind yeah high, high upfront costs both in yeah. time and money well, it's even even the time. Like in Calgary, for example, there's the uh, Comic Expo goes mm-hmm. on in April, and that's what last year they had ninety three thousand people show up. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, we do okay at it. I think sales were what fifteen thousand or something like that. But really, by the time you go through all the numbers between the table costs, the staffing costs, the fact that I'm giving up a weekend and I'm the one who actually works all the way through mm-hmm. and uh, most of the guys give up after a day because they can't take it um but then the loading and unloading time i figure we got to sell about twelve thousand just to break even yeah and that's it's more of an advertising thing to get the name out there um and just because you're kind of almost expected to be there there's other smaller like a science fiction book convention You'll sell a couple thousand dollars at, but that's almost more of a social thing because mm-hmm. people expect you to be there because you've been there for thirty years. <laughs> yeah, kind of have to be there now. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's more relaxing. It's it's not a big deal, but that's uh, um, more fun when you were younger. <laughs> I appreciate my time off a lot more now. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. All right, let's get into something uh, nitty gritty, I suppose. Okay. Is there something you struggled with during the early days of the business? Um. Hmm. I'm sure it was very different question. 30 years ago, but like, was there anything uh, that you found really difficult to to manage mm. to grow? Uh, there was always the cash flow to a certain degree because it was the inventory growth. Uh, I do remember that. I think there was one year before we incorporated that literally I had to pay more in taxes when they came due in April than I actually had paid myself in cash the previous year Wow! because of the growth in inventory. Mm-hmm. I think I was living on like 400 bucks a month spending money at that point uh, over and above the, uh, the mortgage payments on the house and things. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a little tight to say the least. Um, but struggling the moving into this building was probably the biggest struggle because mm. we had to do all these renovations and the cost overruns, um, or every time you'd start to think that you were getting ahead, there would be something that, that happened. Did I get to the, this is where our power bills went from, uh, Eleven hundred a month to fifty-five hundred dollars a month, or eight thousand one month. Uh, no, that's where you cut up. Yeah. Okay. That was a yeah. That was a bit of a stretch too. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating when you think you're getting ahead, and you uh, 
you know, circumstances beyond your control mm-hmm. uh, come close to not killing you, but it's like it really takes you out sometimes. I think that's the best thing about the last three years is that because our sales have been going up, because um, they had been flat, actually, um, because of the Canadian dollar going up over the last bunch of years, you know, when it went from 60 cents to 75 to 85 and then to a buck, mm-hmm. um, you have to sell a lot more stuff just to keep the same sales volume because you're dropping your prices. Mm-hmm. So we had about four years of flat sales. And then when the dollar stabilized, it started going up again. Uh, and when that happened, uh, it was really nice because I could give my staff some significant raises. I mean, there was a few guys that were getting $5 a year raises. Wow. Because, I mean, they deserved it. We hadn't been able to do it before. So that was actually one of the best things about the say, uh, the sales increasing was being able to increase the payroll like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, watch them uh, go from, you know, renting all their life to, you know, buying a townhouse or buying a house um, and having savings. So, it yeah, being able to take care of your employees is pretty rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. When you've had somebody, you know, with you for five years or 10 years, um, it's, it, it, it makes you feel better because you don't like to take advantage of people. I, it's one of the things you experience when you have employees. Uh, I mean, there's the two kinds of people, I suppose, the ones who never think about their staff, but I think a good boss or manager, it's always in the back of his mind. If there's a money issue with the business, it's like, what's going to happen to these people if I don't make the right decision yeah. on this? You know, yeah, you might counting be on you to, to do the right thing and, stay open and stay, stay profitable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, it's not like I lose sleep about it, but, uh, I don't lose sleep about anything. That's just my nature. Um, yeah, I guess that'd be the other thing is don't stress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, doesn't accomplish anything. If you stay awake worrying about your business at night, you're going to be tired the next day. <laughs> I like that. Um, anyway, back to early times problems i don't remember huge issues to be honest um more there was more in the wholesale business when you know somebody would go out of business or stiff you for thousands and thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. uh in the store that's not really a big problem it was normally just the things like i say the property tax or that but that wasn't really an early years issue um I I still look very fondly on those early days. You were kind of the bartender of the gamer set. Um, yeah. People would come in, buy the games, tell you their problems. <laughs> and it was very relaxing. <laughs> now there's a lot more paperwork. Yes, I suppose definitely at that size too. Yeah. 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 Okay, so that's uh, the beginning. Is there anything you struggle with now? Is there anything that uh, you find difficult at your size? Um. The level of um, I cash, I guess, that you're you're running through. Um, I mean, I looked at what was it, the August uh, credit card bills, and when I totaled it up, I went, I just paid one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, or was it one hundred and thirty thousand on credit cards in that month? That's what I paid them. 
that was it, the numbers are so huge now that sometimes it's a when you stop and think about it, it's a little scary. Um, the uh, I mean that would have been a big magic payment month, I think. Um, but on the other hand, was it a couple of years ago? I looked at one of the weekends when there was a um, when the magic releases came out, mm-hmm. and then it was followed by the the comic expo. And I realized in the first or in that three day weekend when the magic came out, I sold half of what I had sold in my first year of business. And in the next weekend, I sold the next half. Yeah. And that was actually, you know, it's, it's, it's all a matter of scale and perspective, but it was really cool to look at that and, and realize how far you might've come. Um, I don't stress about that much for the work nowadays. To be honest, the biggest stresses are usually staff issues mm. if, with that many people. If staff aren't getting along and, um, it used to be, yeah, firing staff if you had to do it, dealing with shoplifters, um, and just dealing with staff who were feuding. Those were like the three biggest things I hated um, in a, if they came up in a day. Yeah, that's definitely something that leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had customers chase down shoplifters, which makes you feel good that they yeah. care them. But Somebody it's was also, still shoplifting. Yeah, exactly. And especially, you know, if it's somebody you've talked to or they've said something, it's, yeah, it really gives you a bad feeling. And it's hard not to get cynical. Well, on um, some level, it's a bit of a betrayal of trust, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm not even going there. But um, it was, uh, you can't let it bother you. I guess that's the biggest thing. And no matter what happens, you have to try maintain a good sense of humor about it. I know there was a, was it three years ago? Um, I had 16 major disasters starting in like in a two month period, or was it two and a half months? Uh, I'd come back from Mexico and uh, for a couple of weeks holiday, and literally my sump pump at home is flooding my basement. Then we had uh, I went on holiday week off with the kids and broke my shoulder slipping on the ice. Mm-hmm. Then we had 10 inches of sewage back up into the store from the city. But... Oh yeah. Well, it didn't get into the main part of it, but it was within a half an inch of going everywhere. Like all the storerooms got filled and my staff is waiting around in raw sewage. <laughs> like trying to save all this crap in the storeroom. It's like, let it go. Pun intended. What are you trying to do? That's why it's there. It's junk. <laughs> uh but you know the dedication is great and then we got broke into um guys took three dollars and 85 cents as i recall stupid stupid people um, they broke into steal three bucks well they didn't know that that's all that was in the till it was you know just some change oh, okay. all <laughs> um and then yeah then we had the sewage flood then we had oh my god what else was there then when they were replacing the carpet and pulling out walls from the uh, our tenant on the front side because they had about a quarter of a million dollars worth of damage. Mm-hmm. That's what the bill came to. Then they pull pipes and it cracks the pipes. So the entire boiler system floods. Wow. <laughs> then that night, I think somebody else tries to break in through the front door and we don't get break-ins. Like I think I've had the three in 
20 years. Um, and that was two of them. Mm-hmm. And it was hilarious because I figured they had to be related to these other idiots uh, because we have a bar across the street. like, And it's 8 o'clock at night. It was when one of my staff had left to get food. So we know the time frame. And then one of my other guys came through the front door um, because the back door had been welded shut because we couldn't get it repaired after the previous break-in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like all the glass is loose. And it, somebody had been trying to pry off you know, the little triangular strip that holds the glass in mm-hmm. to come in and break in that way. So we know exactly when it was. But they're so stupid. The lights are all on in the store. And there's 15 people playing up on the games up on the mezzanine. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kind of went on and on like this. I had to start a list. Um, but uh, it it was just hilarious. You know, I'm sitting there at my computer typing like a Tyrannosaurus because my hands are <laughs> in there. And you just had to laugh. It's like, what's going on next week? Or, you know, what's next? And it was at that point I figured, yeah, I, I guess I'm not going to let a lot of stuff bother me. But the reality is nobody broke in and shot somebody while they were doing it. I might have broke my shoulder, but I didn't die on the road in a snowstorm or have my kids die you got to put it in perspective. Yeah. Could have been a lot worse. Anything that goes wrong in a business like that. um, I mean, yeah, your whole business burns down. Well, nobody died. Maybe. I mean, yeah, if your family died in the building, okay, that's a tragedy, but um, it's not good news, but a lot of time it could be worse. People live through a lot worse things than we'll ever experience on a bad day at the store. So Mm. just, don't don't let it bother you. Is what I would say. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever had anyone? Well, most game store owners have had one of their customers come up to them and be like, "Oh man, I would love to own a game store like this," or something along those lines. Yeah. Have you you've had that conversation? Oh yeah. yeah, I've had I think two or three of the stores in town at various points have been opened by ex staff of mine. Um, and that's, you know, great news. One of them is still in business more in a family game kind of store. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, we encouraged him to go for it. The other one, I think he did it mostly just to get out of the house. Um, but, and it was the kind of standard game store where it was almost like a clubhouse. Mm -hmm. So he lasted about five years and comes back as a customer. It was never an issue. Um, yeah, people come in and talk about it. Uh, it's a little harder now for me to give somebody advice because they're, um, you know, the, pers- the size is so much yeah. different. I'm a Your little... experience is very different from what they're going to have starting out. Yeah. I mean, I can remember the old days, um, but there are still differences. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, it happens. I think Calgary's actually got a lot of game stores in it. Right now, they're kind of in this arc about 20 minutes away from us, circling around the city because mm-hmm. uh, they don't want to be too close. But the um, – uh, what was I going to say? I generally try and maintain good relations with everybody. Usually, I just don't pay attention to it. And yeah. they haven't come in and asked me advice. I think that's kind of tacky to ask advice of somebody when – you're doing it in the city. Yeah. Uh, you're almost directly competing. 
Right? You're yeah. like, how can I take market share from you? Yeah, we encouraged one of them to do it when he talked about it, but we were running the wholesale at that time, so he was going to be a wholesale customer. It wasn't, wasn't an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and other cities, I'm happy to give people advice, and I've done it lots. Mm-hmm. You Because know, I don't want to see anybody lose their life savings. I get more people coming in asking me about the game business and self-publishing a game, um, that sort of stuff, and we've had customers do it. And uh, a bunch of them have actually gone through game companies and have had games uh, published. Uh, but as far as self-publishing goes, I usually try to either discourage people or have them, uh, you know, go to some of the shows and demo a game or try it at the game conventions and get feedback, not just your friends and family who all love it. And that's a very common thing because they want to encourage you. Mm-hmm, yeah. They're not going to, and you're there to explain it. You've got to do blind play testing. Uh, I mean, it's great when it works, but you've got to do the job right. Don't count on your family. Because <laughs> I've seen some really bad games that people have said, oh, yeah, everybody likes this one. They're being nice. Yeah, yeah. They, they like don't you. Want to hurt your feelings. Or it needs development and it needs changing. The concept is cool. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with stores. You can have a great idea for a store, and it just might not be the right time for it. Hmm. That's the tricky part, though, right? Is yeah. That sometimes it's part strategy, and sometimes it's just luck. You were in the right place at the right time. I know when I did it, D&D was just starting to get big in the 80s, right? It was getting very popular. That uh-huh. certainly helped. But, you know, you've got to take advantage of those opportunities when they come up. That's the other big thing is, you know, don't don't jump at everything. But if you believe in it, go for it. It's a bit of a stretch on the time frame. But if you had to start over from scratch, would you do anything differently? Like if, um, if the store were did, did exist and you wanted like, I'm going to make this hundred bucks today, <laughs> what would you change? Or if you would you change anything? Um, if I had to do it all over again right now, um, now are you assuming at my age or as if I was twenty one? Because I did this. Um, when was I twenty? I did the wholesale at twenty one, and I think the store at twenty three. So let's say mid twenties. Because I'm sure starting over at this point would be a little, a little yeah, odd. Yeah, basically. Having cash, you have to have a good financial backing um, set aside. Never, ever touch a credit card uh, unless you can pay it off every month, like ever, um, because it'll kill you. Mm. Um, You you can't run a business on 19%. No. Um, Not for long, anyways. No, no, it's... It just you can't do it. It's it's just a downward spiral. You'd be you'd be better off to close your doors first. Um, let me think. Yeah, having the cash, buying your building, if you could do it. That's what I always tell people who've been maybe in it for a few years, and they're debating, oh, maybe opening a second store or buying a building. I would always say buy a building if you can afford it. 
Okay. Because that gives you, no matter if the store goes bad or not, you've got something. You're yeah, not going to get rich. That. Yeah, you're not going to get rich in the game business. You know, nobody pays themselves $500,000 a year in the game business. It just doesn't happen. Hmm. Well, okay, maybe some of the guys at Watsy do, but yeah, maybe not. Not not usually as a store owner, it's not realistic to to have that happen. You can get a good living, but you're not going to make huge, huge money. Um, so that something like that makes for a retirement plan because even if you're not worried about it, if you start having kids and get married. You can bet your wife is concerned about things. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of the beast. And yeah, when the kids come along, the fact that you're not making any money in this game store or you're only pulling in a little bit is not going to uh, um, make for a happy relationship at home for not for long anyway. My, you know, you can do it a couple years, but you better see some growth. Um, so yeah, buying a business or buying a building would be the best advice I think for anybody who's been going for a couple of years, starting out, having whatever inventory you put in there, keep a reserve of at least, you know, 10 or $15,000 until you find out what's selling in your area. Um, there's a lot of arguments about play space, whether it's good or not. If you're going to concentrate on magic, you have to have it. I would say um, you're probably on the play space is a good idea. Side of the argument? Yeah, that's actually why we ended up opening later. Um, because we uh, because we had all this play space. And in the last two years, we've gone from, um, you know, running events one or two nights a week, like Friday Night Magic, mm-hmm. and then smaller stuff. I mean, literally, there's 50, 60 people up there every night now oh. playing playing games it's like really well maybe we should try make some food sales if nothing else off these people and see what we can do because they've often want to come down but my the staff who's watching the place is doing it on their own time or you know for credit and uh just because they're just keeping an eye on the things and well they want to play games (laughs) so Mm. they're not keen on running a till um that way you know when they're not really getting paid to do it so that's why we did that. So play space is, is definitely important. Events are important. Um, yeah, you're right. It's going back a long way and trying yeah. to think in terms of the time. Computerized inventory, I would consider very important. Um, is that how you do it now? Oh, we've had computers in that store. Even in my first location, I think my first computer was an Atari <laughs> 800. Uh, I mean, I've gone through different accounting packages. Our problem with the computer point of sale stuff is that we have so much inventory that most of the uh, things out there won't do what we want. We actually had to custom build it the last time and we're trying to do it again. And it's a major, major problem because there's a lot of finicky things that need to be done. Like we have a module for charity donations because we do so much charity stuff i don't make a big deal out of it and don't push it but we i mean we probably give away twenty thousand dollars worth of product a year Hmm. for silent auctions and charities um there's you know things like the exchange rate issues there's stuff science fiction books when you look at the fact that a barcode on a book 
changes uh, because every time there's a price change on a novel, but you might have two or three of the same novel of different prices on there. Mm. But if the computer says, oh, yeah, you sold this one, you need to order it, but you have the other two, you're, yeah. you're going to get one of the they new ones. The, the same. computer will keep trying to get you to order the same old one. So there's a lot of finicky, finicky issues in the game business when you're as diversified as I am. Actually, that would be one piece of advice I would give too. Diversify. Uh, like between the magic or you know the card games, the role-playing games, the war games, the Euro games. I mean, we did anime. Um, it's always always seems to be the case that the customers have two or three um, genres they like, and they're not the same. Like mm-hmm. I might have a war gamer who likes science fiction, or I might have a magic player who plays Euro games, or but hates war games. So if magic slows down, which it certainly did for a stretch there, I mean, we were down to two or three displays of a new release. Hmm. Now it's like, I don't know, 400 we're going <laughs> through. Uh, but if they slow down, because the people are into games as a rule, they will switch over to something else because it's, it's in the blood after a while. Mm-hmm. And so they, they're used to coming to your store. Maybe they're heavy into magic now and they've lost interest. Well, now they're going to switch over to family games because that's what they've got a girlfriend or they're newly married and, you know, with kids, they're playing more of that or whatever, or they've got a group that, Oh, this is a great role playing game. Nope. Um, um, the, <laughs> you know, that's one of the strengths we've had is that diversity. Okay. Good stuff. So go wide as well as deep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, we've got, um, up until the last few years, we never carried more than two or three of any particular item in the store. I mean, stuff like Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne at this time of year, yeah, you're bringing it in by the dozen or two dozen, but um, it's it's a strength and a disadvantage. Like, you can't really advertise a specific item if you want if you wanted to do advertising in, mm-hmm. a, in a major Canadian city. It's just too expensive. You'll never make the money back. Um, but because you've got that breadth of product, you know you're always going to be selling something. It's just, you don't have to spend all this money to advertise it. Once people get used to coming, they will find something. They've got their $50, and 90% of the time, they're going to find something because it makes them feel better. And mm. they're just looking for something to read. Half the role-playing games never get played, but people like reading them and getting a feel for it. The same as board games. A lot of times they don't get played. Well, more war games than Euro games, but... It's just a research thing. And yeah, just so, finds it interesting, right? Yeah, it's relaxing. We should probably get near the end. What's uh, in store for the Sentry Box in the near future? Got any big plans for the next year? Um, yeah, we're working on a new point-of-sale system. Um, I'm trying to invest in a new website uh, uh, because ours sucks, to be honest. It's old. Lists of things doesn't cut it. Um, I want to redo the front of the building, uh, because our whole front entrance, as far as I'm concerned, needs to be torn down and rebuilt from scratch. 
Um, and that kind of stuff is not cheap to do. I know we just put a new roof on the building last year or redid the roof. That was $75,000. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of renovations going on, just things happening this year or, or the coming year because it's going to be the 35th anniversary. We'll be doing a lot of various contests and things like that. Um, yeah, I know when we did something similar to that, when was it? In the summertime, we had a, I don't know, we just a simple little contest. One of my guys did where it's like, Oh, right into the Facebook page and tell us what your first, um, or when was the first time you came into the store? And we just didn't get years. We got stories. People would remember exactly who they came with and what they bought the first time they walked in the doors. It was really cool, actually. And some of these are going back 35 years. Wow. Yeah, I mean, they were spouting names, you know, yeah, 20 years ago. So it it was really cool to have that kind of impact. So I want to do more of that kind of stuff um, because the community is the really big thing in the store, as far as I'm concerned. Sounds Um, like you have a really good one, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's nice to hear that. So those would probably be the big things for this year. We're working on a, a big, what, 8 foot by 12 foot, uh, I think is the size or something like that, a CNC machine so that we can uh, basically just punch it in with software and cut and custom make shelves and decor and stuff. Um, yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've... We're at the point where it's now milling out various things, um, and we just picked up the computer to run it. But uh, you know, it's one of those things that one of my guys is interested in doing in it. Is it done as quick as I like? No, but <laughs> yeah, it's fun because um, we have a shop to put that thing in in the store. There's you know probably a two thousand square foot shop in there as well, <laughs> just for storing things and building stuff. Um, so, yeah, a lot of renovations. Yeah, the website point of sale are the big ones, and the front of the building is the big thing. The interior is going to keep changing um, just because it's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the steampunk wall should be done by, uh, well, should be completely finished by January, um, and then we'll start on one of the other walls. There's a lot of wall space. <laughs> yeah, I guess there would be. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of it, but... Um, there's the new stuff is pretty snazzy. Uh, we want to maybe do some video stuff as well. Not quite sure how to justify the cost on that. You know, video game reviews really are they going to be worth the time? Only if somebody is into it. Um, that'd be the main things I think that's going on. Great. Yeah. That sounds, uh, well, a lot of those sound really exciting. I really like the idea of having a CNC machine to custom make whatever you feel like at the time. Yeah, I heard your gasp. Yeah, it just it sounded like your your building is uh, endless. You're just like, oh, I've got one of these over here, and I got some space over here. Just it just keeps going. You got everything. Yeah, well, space is becoming a bit of a concern. We we bought out a video store what a year ago, and. Uh, because uh, we had tried some grid wall stuff on the suggestion of one of my guys. And I went, oh, that looks really good. And it's working for this. So we bought a bunch and then I said, this is getting expensive for this kind of shelving. 
So we bought out a video store that was closing and we got all this stuff up on the walls. It's a slightly different size, but it completely changed the way the dis- store display goes. Like we just mm-hmm. heaved out boatloads of old displays. Um, and the same with the CNC machine that will allow us to, you know, custom build a lot of shelves uh, and replace even more of the older stuff that we don't want. I mean, a bunch of it is, um, you know, we got rid of pegboard, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the historical figures, they all sit on pegboard. Yeah. Well, we use the grid wall um, for various things. You know, like Games Workshop is all up on that kind of stuff now with their racking. But we did, we still need pegboard. So we took the pegboard, cut it up into two foot, four foot slabs, hooked it onto the grid wall. But we've stained it so it looks like, you know, kind of a copper metal plate mm-hmm. uh, or even just painting older shelves. So they look like steel, you know, from the World War II historical things. Um, just that kind of period stuff to change the ambiance of things. Mm-hmm. And and it people come in and they go, oh, that's new. I haven't seen that. Actually, it's funny. When we did the Egyptian wall, I would ask people, oh, what do you think of that? And even a year after the fact, some of them are going, what? What Egyptian wall? Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't realize. So that one. And it's the customers are so focused they wouldn't even notice it. I mean, it's 40 feet long and 15 feet high. How do you not notice this? It's like right across from me and you walk in the door. It's just like in the, in the stores, down the stairs, up the stairs to where they want to go. It's quite funny. It's a little bit of overwhelm on the senses when you come in. Yeah, it's so big you don't notice. It's Yeah, you, you can always tell when somebody comes in for the first time who's from another big city, like, mm-hmm. you know, from Toronto or – LA or New York or something because they literally walk in and they lean against the railing and just stand there going, Oh my God, for about five minutes. <laughs> it's, they just walked into really, Narnia. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's really funny actually when it happens. And they then they come down the stairs and it's like, can I take pictures? Nobody's going to believe this. It is, it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a, that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, it's those moments that make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Or when somebody comes back um, and says, thank you for that game recommendation. Um, it's It made our Christmas. Um, I actually had one lady from Australia. She'd stopped in with a friend with her, I don't know, fiancé at the time. And uh, they were flying back to Australia and wanted to pick up something. And I said, oh, you should probably buy Settlers of Catan. It's a great game. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they played it on the way back. They got back to Australia. They played it with their friends. She emailed me, I don't know, four months later or six months later and said, I just want you to know that you recommending that game changed our lives. <laughs> and it, it was really kind of nice. We had a little bit of a communication. And I said, oh, yeah, if you ever get back into town, you know, to visit, make sure you stop by. I'd love to meet you again and, and see you. And she did, actually. It was probably four or five years ago, but um, she made sure she stayed by. Because it was, it was one of those stories you remember. It's like, wow, you know, I did something that changed their life for the better. I mean, she was very happy because mm-hmm. they met all new friends. And or when we've had customers come in and uh, literally say, I moved to the city because typical in Calgary, lots of new people come in. And they've made friends through the store. Um, and it made their life better because of it, you know, to be in the city. Because it can be a lonely place when you're moving 
for a job and you mm-hmm. don't know anybody. But gamers are probably gamers and science fiction people are the most tolerant people as a rule that I've ever met in my life. They put up with a lot from people before they might start losing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd definitely have to agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to be pretty antisocial to not fit into most game groups. Because everybody's been there growing up. Or most people, I should say. Especially in the older days. Yeah, that's something that most gamers share. Yeah. An experience. Yeah, a little bit on the outs. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit uh a little bit weird. Yeah, and now to, they're all lawyers and engineers. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> bus drivers and whatever. It doesn't matter, right? Computer people. But it's something that they can all share and come yeah. together over. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, this has been a, a great conversation, I think, other than the technical difficulties, but uh, I thought this was uh, excellent. Uh, oh, thank good. you very much for coming on, Gordon. Yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll talk to you later then. Oh, before you go, could you... Tell our listeners where they might be able to find you online and in real life. Um, in real life, I hide to the west of Calgary. Um, so they can't find me because I've got an acreage out there. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the I mean, the store is in the center of Calgary, basically. Um, where um, the website is just www.sentrybox.com. And uh, the main email, which I always read, is just sentrybox at sentrybox.com. Um, there's more specific ones for like cards at sentrybox.com or mail or no orders at sentrybox.com. There's a bunch of different ones, but I, I like to keep it simple for people to remember. Um, and yeah, the website is just sentrybox.com. Not, like I say, it's not pretty. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. And the Facebook page is probably where most of the action happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can just look up I think it's yeah just the sentry box will pop it up uh, there is a Twitter under the sentry box that people comment on uh, occasionally we don't do tons on Twitter but it's there and we will respond to people if they have questions that way uh, or they can just phone even toll free it's like one one eight 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 two two zero two one two one. yeah that's the toll-free number. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, thank you very much, and I hope you have a great day. Okay. I'll get back to my GST calculations right now. <laughs> yeah, have fun with that. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you later then, Tom. Yeah, Take later. care. Bye. Bye. I hope you liked that interview with Gordon. If you're looking for more info about game store entrepreneurship and the magic community, check out com. Some of the Maniverse podcast, and this is where we talk about tips and tactics you can use to grow your local community and your business. From there, you can find out more about Maniverse.com, and you can sign up to get early access as a beta tester. We're currently looking for game store owners and Magic players to help work out the kinks and give us some honest feedback. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Maniverse podcast on iTunes, and you can leave a review. Sharing this episode is also a great way to help the show. Every reviewer will get a shout-out on an upcoming episode. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.